Welcome to the New Beginning Fellowship Church Sermon Podcast. We are glad you are listening to the teaching of the Word of the Lord. We pray that this message encourages you and builds your faith. We also pray that this message is only supplemental to your spiritual growth instead of being a replacement for daily personal Bible study, the pastor you should be submitted to, or the church God would have you to be an active member of. If you live within driving distance of Brobridge, Louisiana, we hope that you would come to visit us during one of our services on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Service times, ministry information, and giving options are all located on our website at newbeginningfc.com or on our Facebook page at New Beginning Fellowship Church. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you. The book of Revelation, chapter 19, and we're going to read tonight verses 11 to 16. And rather than really focus on one text tonight, I want to look at two or three passages and just consider what they're telling us. And I want to exhort you, I want to exhort you tonight for a few minutes and encourage you, and then we're going to spend some time praying. Amen. We need to pray. We need to spend time with God. We need to seek the face of the Lord. We need to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the churches. And I want to strengthen your faith tonight. I want to encourage you in the Lord and minister to you. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 to 16. It says this, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems or many crowns. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the wrath or of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I want you to turn with me tonight to Isaiah 54, verse 14 to 17. We're going to look at that passage, and then we're going to look at another familiar text in Ephesians chapter 6. Isaiah 54. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 14 to 17. Isaiah 54, verse 14 to 17. Verse 14, he says, In righteousness you shall be established. This is a prophetic promise to the people of Israel who will, in that day, it was prophetically declared that they would face a terrible judgment from God. They would be separated from the Lord. They would be judged harshly for their sins and the centuries of unrepentance that they lived in and idolatry. And God is telling them, 
There is a future judgment that will decimate you, that will overwhelm you, but there also will be a restoration that is so of grace you cannot imagine it. And so he's wanting to encourage them that there is a dark future in front of you, but there will be a brighter future as I bring you to repentance, as I turn your heart from sin. There will be great consequences for the things that you do, but don't worry, Jesus is merciful. God is merciful and his plans for you are not to harm you permanently. It is to bring you to humility and brokenness so that I can restore your life. And this is what he says in Isaiah 54 verse 14 to 17. In righteousness, you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression for you shall not fear and from terror for it shall not come near you. If anyone stirs up strife, it is not from me. Whoever stirs up strife with you shall fall because of you. Behold, I have created the smith who blows the fire of coals and produces a weapon for its purpose. I have also created the ravager to destroy. No weapon that is fashioned or formed against you shall succeed or prosper. And you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the saints of the Lord and their vindication from me declares the Lord. And I want you to look lastly with me at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 to 18. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 to 18. Paul says in that all too familiar passage in verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. I want to talk to you tonight about the fact that we are in a warfare. Amen? That our Savior is not just a Savior, but He is also a King. And this King is the captain of the host of the armies of God. This King rules and reigns in righteousness. And in every kingdom, there is violence. There is opposition. There is conflict of purposes. The reason that there are wars in this world, the reason that there is conflict in this world, is because the nature of this world is that there is limited land 
land and limited resources and every group of people that sets up a tent and then puts three or four together and it becomes a group of people. They agree together to pur- for purposes that they want to accomplish and they take certain resources and people who are beside them have a conflict with them because they want those resources. And so it is the nature of every tribe, of every group, of every country, of every citizenship that there is conflict between them. It is happening in husbands and wives. It happens between siblings, right? You don't believe it? Put one rubber ducky into a child's playpen with two children and you will find that there is a war over resources, right? There is something that we both want, only one of us can have it, and we're angry and so we're going to fight. It is the nature of human beings to fight over resources and over cross purposes. And Jesus Christ has come into this world as a king and he's come preaching a kingdom. Amen. And the purposes of this kingdom are against the purposes of this world. The word of God portrays Jesus as a king ruling over a kingdom and it portrays Satan as a king ruling over a kingdom and they are at war with one another. Righteousness fighting unrighteousness, light fighting darkness, truth fighting fighting lies, blessing, fighting, cursing. And Jesus came into this world, the scripture says, to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus didn't come to make peace. He didn't come to make friends. He didn't come to sign a peace treaty. He didn't come to sing kumbaya and make everything okay. Jesus came to split skulls. Jesus came to enter into conflict. Jesus came to have a warfare with the tyrannical power of sin. Amen? That is your Jesus tonight. And if it's not your Jesus, you've got the wrong Jesus. Your Jesus is dressed in a garment dipped in blood. He's coming back into this world to fight his enemies. And he's coming in a vesture dipped in blood to show his enemies, I fight battles and I win battles. Amen? I overcome all of my enemies. I have tread the winepress of the wrath of God. I've stomped the grapes into the ground and I have poured out the blood from the grapes and I'm coming back with the vesture dipped in blood. Amen. That's the picture from Isaiah 66 when it portrays this image of Jesus in the book of Revelation. It's a call back to Isaiah 66. And the the reason I want to talk to you about this tonight is because I think we forget that we are in a warfare. Amen. We have turned the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness into a cold war. Do you remember what a cold war is. How many of you studied enough history to know what a cold war is, right? Between America and Russia, where we're at cross purposes, there's a declared war, but we don't want to really fight with each other. We're sort of equally matched in power and nobody wants to pay the price for war. And so technically we're at war and we've drawn lines and we said, you can't come over to our side and we can't go over to your side. And we'll constantly try to nudge the boundary this way or nudge the boundary that way. We'll fight with money. We'll set up tariffs. We'll set up financial blockades. We'll try to overcome you with the economy. We'll try to overcome you with news media. We'll try to overcome you with turning your citizens against you. This sort of cold war where we're fighting, but not fighting. And you forget that there's a conflict. You're just sort of waiting each other out. And we have made the wrestle with darkness into a cold war where praise God for the blessing of the United States of America, where we don't have to so much fight face to 
face and wrestle face to face in an obvious way with the darkness of this world so that we're put to sleep and we think that there's not a warfare. But I tell you that there is a warfare. As we see what's going on in Afghanistan, and I'm not here to get political tonight. I don't want to grieve the Spirit of God with telling you my political opinion. But what you see happening in that nation is that there was a force of power. There was a military presence that was ready to fight with violence and with force to withhold an enemy that wanted to take that ground. And it held back that tide of darkness. And suddenly... America and its troops left and there was a vacuum of power and all of a sudden this enemy began to come in and try to seize that power and try to come in and I've heard report after report after report of news people, of journalists, of soldiers who would say the evil that they're seeing in that place, the innocent people that are being murdered, the children and the women that are being raped, the abuse that's going on, the destruction that's coming, so much evil because there was a presence of force there that was then removed. And I tell you what, evil stepped in. Amen? Evil stepped in. Tyranny stepped in. Well, I'll tell you what, you can look at the church of Jesus Christ and you can say, maybe we're not the best fighting force in the world. The church is cold. The church is dead. The church doesn't know how to fight anymore. There's a lot of problems with the church. Amen. If you don't see that, you're not looking. Amen. If you look at the churches in Revelation, Jesus praised them for what they were doing right and criticized them for the things that they were doing wrong. And if Jesus would look at the church in America, he would say, here are a lot of things that you're doing right, but here are a lot of things that you're doing wrong. And you might say the church doesn't look like much, but I tell you what, you have no idea what would happen if the church of Jesus Christ in all of its imperfections were pulled out of this world, the restraint against evil. Do you know that when you love your neighbor, you restrain evil? Do you know that when you forgive, you restrain evil? Do you know that when you have a healthy marriage, culturally, you represent a restraint against the evil of the hearts of men? You're very very presence in this world restrains evil. Every decision that you make is a decision of warfare. And I'm telling you tonight, if we give up another inch, evil will step in. Amen. And this is what I want to talk to you tonight about, that we are in a warfare. We are in a conflict. And you cannot imagine the evil that is possible in this world. How many of you know anybody that served in the military overseas? I mean, really been overseas and seen awful things. Or maybe you've watched interviews over and over again. I realize I'm a person, I grew up in North Carolina near Camp Lejeune, Marine military base, 30 minutes from my house, but I've never served in the military. And the more and more I talk to soldiers, the more and more I have no idea what it is to be a soldier and no idea what it's like outside of the United States of America. And so I watch interviews. I listen to them. I read stories and I tell you, they will let you know that you cannot imagine the evil that is in this world, the, the, tyranny, the things that are going on in Rwanda, the things that are going on in Burma, the things that are going on in North Korea, the oppression that has been in Russia, even though it's liberated now, it's not really free. A lot of the symbols of oppression are gone, but it's still not really free. All the things that are going on in this world, you cannot imagine the oppression and the tyranny and sin always brings oppression. Amen. I need you to understand sin always brings 
brings oppression. Jesus and grace and, and righteousness always brings liberty. It always brings freedom. But sin always brings with it a tyranny. How many of you remember the second story of sin in the Bible with Cain and with Abel? And he, Cain offered a sacrifice that God didn't receive. And God said to Cain, he said, son, your countenance has fallen. You're in a dangerous place. Sin is crouching at the door and its desire is to have you. Sin is right outside the door and it wants to overtake you. It wants to pounce on top of you. It wants to rule your life. Ben, can you come here? Look at this young man. Isn't he strapping? Good night. I mean, just would you want him to try and oppress you? I want you to stand right next to that door. Now you imagine that you're on the inside of that door and you're tempted and you're going through conflict and your your heart is wrong and you're pulled in a certain direction and you're aching for something and you just can't get that temptation out of your mind. If you can crouch down for me, sin is hiding and crouching saying, I'm waiting for him to open that door. If you would just open that door and step out and let me pounce on you. Now you imagine now he's, he looks like a very nice young man, doesn't he? He looks just wonderful. You're like, I bet he's here to help me do some, move some heavy furniture in my house, or maybe he's here to give me tips on how to work out and get in better shape, whatever. What a good looking guy, right? But you imagine a scowl of cruelty, of ravenous desire to consume, to destroy, to oppress, and to rule over. And that's what God said. Sin is like it's crouching at the door and like a predator that is so hungry. It's yearning. It's ravenous. It is starved. And everything in it can't wait for you to open the door so that it can jump on top of you and consume you and oppress you and control you. You can go have a seat. And I tell you, Children of God, we are in a warfare. And as we learn to walk in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, we restrain evil. Amen? Brother James, people that don't know God and are not living for the Lord, what do you see when you walk into that house? When people are using drugs, when people are not loving their wives as Christ loved the church, when men are not serving their children and teaching them the things of God, when men love to gamble and men love to lie and men love to be corrupt. Oh, what if you could see what he sees when he walks into houses and bedrooms, what he sees when he goes through a drug addict's car, if you could be with him when he finds a drug addict sitting on the side of the road high and their little three-year-old baby sitting in the car seat screaming and hot soaking in that Louisiana heat because they would rather get high and not take care of their baby and you say how can that evil be in this world because apart from the grace of God men are full of so much evil there is a warfare that this world is in and you cannot afford to be cold you cannot afford to not engage in this warfare Jesus Christ is the king of kings and the lord of lords he is the captain of the host of the army of the Lord and you are a soldier in the army of the Lord and Jesus has called you to wage a warfare not with bullets and guns and swords but with righteousness and love and forgiveness. Jesus came into this world riding on a donkey but he's coming back riding on a steed. Jesus came into this world to bear the reproach of your sin but he is coming to expose the shame of sinners. Jesus came into this world to be tormented on your behalf but he is coming 
coming to torment the unrighteous with the righteous standards and truth of the word of God. Jesus came into this world to deal kindly with sinners, but he is coming back to say time is up and there's not another moment. You are found as you are. And we've got an obligation to live righteous in this world. In the book of Revelation, it tells you over and over that this growing climax will continue to build and build so that the evil of men will multiply in the earth. But it is not for you to get scared and intimidated and say, oh no, ISIS is going to come to America. Oh no, we're going to lose the House and the Senate and our candidate isn't going to be in the White House and we're going to be worried because the news cycles are lying over and over and we're just afraid and intimidated and thinking about what our children are going to go through in the future. I tell you, you are not to see these things and get fearful. You are to see them and have a righteous anger and a righteous indignation and say, I will fight for the future of my children. I will fight for the future of this culture. Not so that my children can live cold and dead in their Christianity that has no heat, flame, and fire, no power to it because they can live in easygoing Christianity. What I want for them is to have a Christianity that will set the world on fire. I want them to have a Christianity that will set them in conflict with the prince of the power of the air. I want them to have a Christianity that they say, Lord, teach my hands to war. Put a sword in my hand and a shield in front of my face. Lord, put the helmet of salvation on my head and teach me to think with the defensive thinking of a biblical worldview. Teach me to get into that book and understand it up one side and down the other. Put on me a breastplate of righteousness. Teach me to fight. Amen. That ought to be your heart tonight. Because I tell you what, if you don't, you will be shocked to find how quick the world will move in. Amen. You will be shocked to find how quick the world will move in. I see the darkness that's coming on this world and my heart grieves, but my heart also leaps. I'm telling you, there is a hope in my heart that as the darkness gets darker and as the church of Jesus Christ in its light gets dimmer and dimmer, we will be faced with the reality that the world is not a misunderstood friend. It is truly an enemy that if it is allowed to take over will dominate our culture and make victims of men, women, and children. It will destroy, it will consume, it will break, it will harm, it will malign, and it will destroy. And it will cause us to say, I will either choose to be cold or I will choose to be hot. I will choose to walk with God or I'll choose to walk in the world. No more this middle line and pretending and thinking that everything's okay. I'm either going to live for God or I'm going to live for myself. And I tell you, you ought to have your eyes open. Oh, to God that our eyes would be open, that we would see sin and we would see the tyranny of sin, that we would see what's going on in Afghanistan and the evacuation and the sudden vacuum of power and all the sin that is stepping in to overcome. And I ask you, do you want that spiritually for your children? Do you want to die? And all of a sudden your prayers aren't there and your love isn't there and your encouragement isn't there and all of a sudden they've got nowhere to go and the enemy just steps in and overcomes or can you say I'm going to hit my knees and I'm going to fight for the future of this nation I'm going to fight for the future of my children I'll seek the face of the Lord how many of you want to be like David when God said to him and when God said to his ancestors to his descendants he said not for your sake but for your father David's sake he was a man that walked with me. He 
loved me. He cared about me. He cared about my purposes. And for his sake, I'll have mercy on you. For his sake, I'll give you another chance to repent. For his sake, I'll have grace on you. For his sake, I'll do works of mercy in your life. Oh my God, I want the Lord to say that to my children. I want the grace of God to pursue my children. Lord, that I've walked with you and served you. I've lived a life that was such a witness to my children that even if they're not serving you and they go astray, because even God's children went astray sometimes. Amen. Read Isaiah chapter one. He says, I have children that don't know me. They've hardened their hearts and they've walked away. But praise God, God was pursuing them. Amen. And I want my prayers pursuing my children. I want my life pursuing my children. I want my witness pursuing my children. I want my words pursuing my children. I remember sitting in my friend's house, sitting there smoking a bowl, sitting there getting high and drunk, and my mama's words gnawing at me, chewing at me. And I just thought, I want those words out of my mind. I can't stand it. I didn't want to hear it anymore. But those words, they just wouldn't leave me. They wouldn't let me alone. I wanted the Holy Ghost to get off of my back. I'd get home high and drunk as sin. And the moment I walked into that door, the Holy Ghost was there to meet me with conviction. And my mom would step into that room and say, son, I've been praying for you. I'd pretend to be asleep. I'm tired. I'd go lay in the bed and she'd open the door and talk to me and I'd pretend like I couldn't hear, like I was asleep. And she'd say, son, I've been praying for you. And I'd just sit there and I wouldn't say anything. But what I was thinking in my heart was, I know you have and I wish you wouldn't. I wish you would just leave me alone. I'm sick of your prayers. I'm sick of conviction. I want to live the way that I want to live. But my mama was fighting. Amen. My mama was fighting. I can tell you today, I know my mama's fighting for my brother. I know that I'm fighting for my brother. I'm fighting for the minds of my sons and my daughters. I'm fighting for this church. I know that you are fighting for this church. There is a warfare that's going on. And the only thing that will hold back the tide of darkness is a militant church. Amen. A militant church, a church that has put on the armor of God and said, we are prepared for this warfare. We want to fight. We didn't come to play. We didn't come to cower. We didn't come to back down. We came with gravel in our gut and steel in our spine, and we've come to fight. We have come to enter a warfare. Amen. Oh, living God. That's what David did. This weak, small little boy, small little boy with no strength in himself. And he saw that giant coming to taunt the people of God and to tarnish the reputation of the Lord. And he couldn't stand it. Amen. He could not stand it. He couldn't stand to hear the name of the Lord defiled. He couldn't stand to see God's people cowering and this giant threatening them and saying, you can't win and you'll never fight. And the more and more that enemy spoke, the more and more their hearts sank and they believed that they would never be free. And the heart of David rose up and said, I got to fight. I got I might die, but I've got to fight. How many of you remember when Jonathan, the son of Saul, had his armor bearer with him and he found this garrison of men, over a thousand men, I think it was 2,000 men, and he had no sure word from God, no promise from God, nothing assuring him that if he went and fought that it would be okay. And it was nobody but him and his armor bearer. And they said, we got to go fight. Listen to what he said. He says, for who knows? It may be that the Lord will give them into our hands. 
If there's a chance that God will give us victory, I cannot stomach to think about the kingdom of darkness overcoming the kingdom of God. I cannot stand to think about the people of God being oppressed and afflicted. I can't lay down and just give in. I can't. I've got to fight. I have to fight. Maybe nobody else wants to fight with me, but I'm going to fight. And I tell you, that's what I want my heart to be. That's what I want your heart to be. Can I tell you, my heart's tired. I'm just being honest with you. There was a time, it's been months, I feel like I've found a really difficult time to fight and to engage in this warfare. My heart is tired of praying. My heart is tired of fighting. I'm weary. And I'm just going to the Lord saying, I can't stop fighting. I can't give in. I don't want to go to sleep with everybody else. I don't want to tolerate it just because other people can tolerate it. If you want to tolerate it, you tolerate it. But I can't stand it anymore. I cannot stand to see God's people oppressed. I cannot stand to see people deceived. I cannot stand to see people in bondage to sin. I cannot stand to see people discouraged and weary. There has to be an encouragement in the Lord. Is the Holy Ghost in us or not? Is the Word of God powerful or not? Are we people of the King or not? Is there a warfare? Is there a kingdom? Is there a promise? Are the weapons of our warfare mighty through God? Mighty through God? Mighty through God? To the pulling down of strongholds or are those strongholds one we just got to live with. I'll say to you, they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And I'm sick and tired of those strongholds. And there ought to be something in us that says, I just can't stand it. One more minute. I've got to go and fight. Amen. I've got to go and fight. Oh, that the cry of the American revolution would be in our heart. Men said for a carnal kingdom, give us liberty or give us death. How much more Ought the people of God to say, give me liberty or give me death. Men have had too much hope in the kingdom of the United States of America. Abraham Lincoln said the United States is the last best hope of this world. And I love this nation. I love the United States of America. I am grateful for a great biblical influence of Christianity on the founding and the history of this nation. But I tell you, America may fall tomorrow. The last and best and only hope of this world is a church that refuses to see the kingdom of darkness win over the kingdom of God's dear son. The last hope of this world is a church on fire for Jesus. And I invite you tonight, will you war? Will you fight? Will you engage in it? Will you say to the Lord, you've got to teach me to fight. You've got to teach me to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. You've got to teach me to put on the helmet of salvation. If my mind is attacked and I can't think clearly anymore, then something is getting to my head. Amen? If your mind is full of anxiety and fear and worry, if your mind is distracted, that helmet isn't on. You've got to learn to have the defense of the thinking of the Word of God. Amen? If you question your salvation and you don't know that you're saved... 
and you say, I don't really know. Sure, I'm justified by grace, but am I really saved? Then you don't really have that breastplate of righteousness on your heart. You need to be so secure in the grace of God. That is how you fight. Your enemy is the accuser of the brethren. You've got to fight. You've got to get in the word of God until it convinces you and persuades you that you are righteous in the sight of God by the blood of Jesus Christ alone and that that blood is working a real righteousness into your life. You've got to say, Lord, I want to fight. I want a warfare. I want to live for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. Can we agree on that tonight? Can we say, Lord, I want to fight this fight? Praise God, saints. I ask you if you would, join me in prayer. I invite you. If you can't come to this altar, that's fine. But turn in your chair. Pray. Kneel. Just seek the Lord. Whatever you got to do to seek the Lord, seek him with confidence. Seek the Lord with assurance. Jesus is the one who makes disciples, isn't he? Jesus teaches us, isn't he? Isn't that what they call Jesus? Teacher, teacher, good teacher. Teach us to pray. Teach us the kingdom. David said, teach my hands to war. Jesus will teach you how to be a good soldier. Jesus will teach you how to pray. Jesus used the sword of the spirit against the devil when he came to tempt him and he used the word of God against him. Say, Jesus, teach me to use the word of God. When men cornered you and tried to persuade you and get you to say something and contradict yourself, you pierced them not with just logic and reason, but with the word of God. Teach me to use the word of God. Jesus, when you encountered devils, you stood in sure victory and you won every time. Teach me to face devils. Amen. Teach me to fight. Teach me to be in communion with the Father. Teach me to resist temptation. Jesus will make you a good soldier. Amen. Jesus will make you a good soldier. He is the ultimate soldier, is he not? He is the one that Joshua saw when they were crossing that river bank. And he said, I looked and saw one clothed in armor and a sword was drawn. That was the captain of the armies of the Lord. That was a pre-incarnate revelation of Jesus Christ. God wanted you to know from the beginning that your Jesus is a fighter and Jesus will teach you to fight. Can we seek the Lord tonight? Can we ask him to come and help us? Lord Almighty, we ask you, we are in great need. God, we are in great need. Our heart grieves. Our hearts mourn at the evil of our day. Lord, we are so naive. Our culture has been so shielded from the evils of men because of the fruit of righteousness of God's people. Lord, our nation has a history that is speckled with sin and many evils and atrocities, and yet it is one of the most righteous nations in the history of the world, all because of the fruit of the gospel. And Lord, we see that that gospel is diminishing. So many people are diminishing in their knowledge of Jesus Christ, in their convictions about the things of God and righteousness and truth. Lord, darkness is overwhelming this world. And help us, Lord, to not be naive. Help us to see that there is a cause for 
worth fighting for. Help us, God. We don't want to be like the people of Germany. That they just, it was so far out of their mind to really imagine tyranny. To really imagine the evil that was coming upon them. That they did not stand up. They did not resist. And when it came time to resist, it was far too late. God Almighty, if they could have seen the gulags, if they could have seen the camps, if they could have seen the evil and the terror and the slaughter of millions and millions and millions across the world, they would have never allowed their government to get so far out of control. They would have never allowed the evils of men to get so much power over them. And God, I ask you to give us a vision. Let us be like Isaiah who saw generations ahead. Let us be like the prophets who saw generations ahead and they saw the evil coming and they were prepared to be a discomfort to this world that was sleeping. When men tried to say, no, no, we can live in our sin. We can live the way that we want. We can reject your message and we will be okay. Our sins will not surely find us out. But they were prepared to continue raising their voice because they could see down the road where things were headed and their hearts could not keep silent. Oh, Jeremiah, even when his heart got so tired of crying out and he said, I won't speak the word of the Lord anymore. He said, I can't help it. It's like a fire shut up in my bones. God almighty, let there be a fire shut up in our bones. Let there be a determination in us to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, to preach righteousness and holiness, to preach a godly life, to preach against sin, to be discerning against the times. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to war. Have your way in our hearts tonight. Let us seek you, Lord. Have your way. Seek the Lord tonight, saints. Let him minister to your heart.